so I think to simply say, hey, I am going to listen to, for me as a man, I'm going to listen to women. I'm going to ask yeah. questions. I'm going to hear from their perspective. Is just going to enable me to have empathy, compassion, and grace. Well, hey, Woodside family and friends, I want to welcome you to another exciting edition of The Link. Uh, I'm Pastor Chris, and I absolutely love that we get a chance to do these recordings with you and to share with you some thoughts around critical conversations that are happening in our culture. When I think about uh, one of the big conversations that's happening today, I, I want to really address the thought of how men and women can work together. Now this is a part of an ongoing conversation that we've been having here on the link. As a matter of fact, in the uh, postscript for this, you'll see a link to a previous episode where we talked about the role of women within the church. But when you think broadly about how women and men work together from the home to the workplace to the church, I think that so often those dynamics are marred in uh, confusion or maybe competition all the way to conflict. But what does it look like when it is shaped by the biblical worldview? I, I think it can be both beautiful and beneficial. So today I've invited some friends as always who are going to help to walk us through this conversation. Uh, first to my left is Reve Wilson. Reve is one of the lead producers here uh, for our communications department broadly. She also is the producer of The Link, so she's typically behind the lens. But today, She's one of our special guests. But professionally, Reve has her PhD in organizational leadership and has thought deeply about the role of women in leadership. So Reve, thanks for joining. Thanks for having me. I get excited about these conversations. You're on the hot seat now, yes, so I get a yes. chance to ask the tough questions that you typically ask me. And then C.T. Eldridge, many of you know and love C.T., his wife Meg, they helped to lead out at our Lapeer campus. Uh, C.T. and Reve recently did a workshop together on this very topic for our interns at our Leadership Institute. And I know you have a big heart for this. As a matter of fact, you've been helping uh, lead our pastors through thinking about this as well. So thanks yeah. for joining CT. Yeah, it's an honor. Thanks for having me. So let's go back to the workshop and I'll start with you CT. I think that so often conversations like this can get into the tactical or the practical before we get into the biblical or philosophical. So let's just step back and talk about a biblical worldview as it pertains to the way that God has created us uh, by, by design. What do you want us to know? Yeah, if we look back at our origin story, Genesis chapter 1, where the biblical worldview begins to be formed, um, two truths really stand out to me related to the way God views and relates with men and women. Um, the first thing that stands out is that we are equally valued by God, yeah. we see. And then secondly, we also see that we are equally called in service to God. So mm -hmm. equally called, equally valued. So you see that in chapter 1, verse 27 of Genesis 1, where it says that God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. So both the man and the woman are God's image bearers together. And uh, theologians wrestle over exactly what the image of God is. But we know that at least it means that humans are of immense value and immense dignity. And both the man and the woman are God's image bearers, so we're equally valued. And then the very next verse, chapter 1, verse 28, says that then God blessed them and told them to be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth to subdue the earth. He told them to subdue the earth, so he yeah. equally calls them to the creation mandate, to join in this task together 
of filling the world, making it a beautiful place of working, discovering, and doing all those things. We're equally called and equally valued. Yeah, I love that you started there because so often our conversations start at detention point. It's like we skip Genesis 1 and go straight to Genesis 3. But obviously the fall does impact things, and we recognize that uh, though the image of God is not lost, it's marred. And that, that explains so much of what we're experiencing in our culture today through mistreatment, marginalization, but also losing the beauty and the benefit of men and women working together with that view of being equal in value and equally called. Reve, how does understanding that shape the way that we view ourselves and our place in the world? Yeah, I think that's a great question because I think when we talk about being equal um, in, in the broader sense, I think people assume that equality equals sameness. Yes. <laughs> and that's not the case at all. Um, men and women are very different. And I think when we step back and honor those differences, yeah. then we can start to begin to value men and women for what they bring to the table. Um, I think, you know, every human being is different. We're not the same. And yes. that's the most important thing to remember in and that is value and equality and calling, though all equal across the board, that doesn't mean it's going to look the same for each person with their gifts, their abilities, their strengths. Yeah, I think that's a huge, huge point. There's so many ways that we could go with this conversation. I want to keep it specific within the church, but uh, broadly within our culture, it seems like uh, from a female perspective in this quest for being respected and equally valued, the pressure has been that you have to take on more masculine characteristics or uh, styles of leadership. And I love the fact that you've highlighted that we can be unique. We can be ourselves. We can uh, be uniquely who we've been designed to be and not lose value and not be diminished in, in purpose. And I think that that uh, not only is important for the church context, but it crosses over. But uh, CT, when I think about what Reve just said, and even I'm guilty of this, it's so easy to filter all of this through stereotypes. We've all been exposed to stereotypes. We've all been exposed to these kind of uh, uh, presuppositions that our culture uh, overlays in this conversation. So how do we avoid those in particular as it pertains to the way we see the distribution of the spiritual gifts right. and God's calling. Yeah, I think it's so important for our lives not to be shaped by cultural stereotypes and for as much as possible for us to be aware of those and instead for us to be formed by God's Word and Scripture. Uh, so one of the ways that we see uh, these stereotypes broken down in the way that God gifts both men and women, um, I think we see in the example of the Apostle Paul, when he's writing to the Thessalonian Christians in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, he likens his ministry to them as a mother nursing their children mm. and says that he has desirous affection for them. I mean, reading this, it's almost awkward, just the <laughs> tenderness and the loving kindness that Paul has been gifted with by the Spirit to then carry out his ministry. Um, it breaks the cultural stereotype of a man being a cold, distant, yeah. Uh, emotionless leader. Um, and then you look at, on the other side, um, Proverbs chapter 31 that uh, calls this model woman to be yeah. strong. She has strong arms. She's industrious. She's an entrepreneur. She's a breadwinner. Um, and that challenges our stereotypes as well. So there may be something to stereotypes. We may hear about stereotypes and go, oh yeah, that rings true. 
with my experience, but that doesn't mean that it rings true with all of your experience or everyone's experience. Instead, we really need to be shaped yeah. by the Bible's witness. Well, and I think this is where this uh, simple rule of rightly dividing the word of truth it comes into play, and that is understanding the, the difference between prescriptive passages and descriptive passages as well. I think that there's value to both, but we need to understand where the word commands, we are obligated to honor those commandments, but where the word simply describes such as historical account, uh, we understand that that's a reflection of either the times that uh, folks were living in or even a characteristic of God. But we understand it as different than command. You know, when I think about gifts though, maybe even more dangerous than the stereotype issue is us underutilizing our gifts. We're stewards of what God has entrusted to us, aren't we? Yes, absolutely. I think of, um, I think of like a Christmas present. So, you know, if you wake up Christmas morning and you asked, you know, your spouse, or if you take it, you know, back to when you were a kid, you asked your parents for this one gift that you wanted so bad, you know, like, I just think in my childhood, like everybody wanted an easy bake oven. You know, you wanted that easy bake oven. And then you you wake up Christmas morning and you open that present and you get that, you know, easy bake oven or that thing you wanted so bad. And then the person who gave it to you says, but no, it has to actually sit on a shelf and you can never use it. Yeah. And I think sometimes we do that with our own gifts and abilities is we know we have these gifts and abilities or other people know we have these gifts and abilities, but we don't ever utilize them. We put them on the yes. shelf and they just sit there for people to look at. But we know that when we want true value and we tru truly experience what a gift is and what it can do for us, it's when we take it off the shelf yes. and actually use it. Yes. And I think that relates so much to us in whether it's a ministry setting or in our jobs or just in our family life, is if we have these gifts that we know that we can use to um, advance God's kingdom or to make our workplace a better place or anything, I think we need to take those gifts off the shelf. I need, yeah. We need to make them known. And, and if you know that about someone and you know that their gift is sitting on the shelf, you need to tell them it's time to pull it down and wipe the dust off because we it. need it. Can't relate to easy bake oven, but I love the analogy. <laughs> I want to connect two dots and then I want to ask an important follow-up question to both of you. But you, you started by talking about uh, equal in value. And then you just stated how important it is for us to utilize our gifts. And I just want to say within the church, and in particular, I speak on behalf of Woodside, to our women in particular, that you are so valued. And, uh, and I know all of our campus pastors not only appreciate, but want, desire for the voice of, uh, of, our, of our women to be at the table, to bring those gifts to bear. And I think for all uh, believers, we have a stewardship responsibility, and we know we're going to stand before the Lord. When I read the parable of the talents, I don't see that as a gender-specific parable. I think all of us are going to be responsible for standing before the Lord and uh, having to give an account on what we did with what was entrusted to us. The manifold grace of God expressed through the gifts and administration of the Spirit, we're going to have to give an account uh, for that. So dust your gift off mm -hmm. and bring it to church with you uh, because it's really, really important and, uh, and not only important within the church, but beyond as well. Here's my question for you, and then I'll have a follow-up for you as well. Um, what can we do within the church in particular to better empower women? And then I want you to think about it from a male perspective as well. A lot of people may think, well, 
men don't need any advice in this area, but there's been a lot of research on the crises we have, even among males, uh, in particular young men. So you first though, Reve, what can we do to better empower women? I think it all starts with listening. Um, I think just talking to women, understanding their fears um, that they may have for stepping into a specific role or position, maybe some of their experiences. You know, I know we've talked about church hurt on previous yes. Link episodes and just understanding that there might be a little bit of church hurt there from, from previous churches or previous leaders um, in ministry. Uh, just hearing their stories and understanding it. Um, there's this story that I love, and I read about it in a book that I'll, I'll make sure gets linked in the postscript. Um, and it told the story of how um, in order for Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. to understand the racial tension differences from what was happening in the South to what was happening in the North is he went to Chicago in the North and lived among yep. the Northern um, yep. black leaders to understand what they were going through and what racism looked like in free states. Yes. And I think for some of us, that can translate perfectly is to, to empower women is to understand and kind of walk a mile in their shoes. Yeah. And that comes from listening and learning. And I also think um, then once we know, we have to then try to fix it, make it better, and then provide um, encouragement and on-ramps to women. You know, there's so many women who are just sometimes waiting on the edge of their seats for someone to say, hey, I know you're really good at this. Could you step into this role? And just being consciously aware of those um, those people and those positions that you have that they would serve great in and just invite them into those, just continually invite them into those roles. Yeah, I love what you're saying because it goes back to what scripture encourages us to not let our good be evil spoken of. I think so often we think we're doing a good thing, but if we're not listening, that good thing could actually end up doing more harm than good. So starting with listening and you know, we've, uh, within our church leadership, talked about this four-step process of listen, learn, lament, and then lead, uh, making sure you're going through that humble process before you just kind of go out with an initiative. But what about our young men? We are seeing a decline of young men in leadership roles, prepared for marriage and parenting, uh, in education. Delaying getting their driver's licenses. All of it. Uh, so with that being said, how do we better uh, empower our, our young men? Yeah, it seems like there's two sort of equal and opposite problems. On the one hand, there's a lot of people in our culture saying, you know, men are being emasculated, men need to be more honored, men need to step up, feminism's gone too far. And on the other hand, there's some people saying, well, there's this toxic masculinity, there's this machoism, and men need to be humbled. And I think both kind of sides of the problem need to be spoken to. I mean, for the folks who are really suffering from, hey, I feel emasculated, I feel like, you know, being a male is not being honored for me, I think we need to simply say, this is the way God has made us. God is, you're, being a man is a good thing. Being a man is a part of God's design for you. Embrace that. Live that out. Um, for those who are suffering from toxic masculinity and a false bravado, I think we need to say, look at Jesus. Um, he honored women. He worked with yeah, women. He yeah. called women to follow him as his disciples. And so I think both of these problems can be addressed as we sit under God, God's word, embrace our value as men, but also humble ourselves as men and work with women. Yeah, I think if you're a ministry or organizational leader and you hear what CT just said, I would encourage you not to apologize or feel bad about having special initiatives that address both. I think to just assume that this kind of organically happens 
is to be naive or to assume that one program fits all people is equally un unhelpful. But I think to your point, to recognize that we need to have not only voice on both sides of this issue, but um, practical, uh, programmatic even, steps to making this happen is really important. Yeah, and I think even going off of what CT said earlier and, and, and what you just talked about now and, and, and talking about not just empowering women, but empowering men and women to use their gifts is, you know, it's okay that men have the gift of hospitality and that they're kind-hearted and they're more yes. um, sympathetic. Um, you know, I always joke that sometimes I'm not really that typical mothering, nurturing mm. woman. I don't, I see things and I'm like, you know, get over it, <laughs> move on. And that's okay, because we need women like that. We need women to step into positions like that and encouraging yeah. women in those roles to not kind of silence that side of them. And same with men, to say, you know what, you're really hospitable, and while the whole world may think this is something that a woman is supposed to do, like I wanna empower you to do this, because you're really good at it. And stepping into that and honoring those traits that we have um, really will empower both men and women to kind of step into those roles and work together. Yeah, I think that's that's critical, and I, and I think generationally that will feel either more or less comfortable, depending on what your um, kind of context has been. But I think this is important, and again, I love that we get a chance to frame this in the context of Scripture. So I guess, CT, as we close, how can we better live into God's design for us, the way that he's designed us and uh, called us to work together in a complimentary way. Yeah, I think one way, and sometimes this has to be forced upon you, um, but is to work with the opposite uh, for men, women, and women to men. I think of this workshop we did. Um, I've taught for a Woodside Leadership Institute, uh, interns and residents, probably a dozen times. Um, and I was excited about addressing this topic with them. Um, but when I was asked to do so, uh, Stephanie McGraw, the leader of the ministry, asked me to do it with Reve who I only knew by name and legend uh, from Woodside Student <laughs> Ministry. Uh, we hadn't really met formally. And uh, so, you know, there's really like almost a fear, you know, yes. this person I don't know, this person who's different from me, um, what's this going to be like? But it was such a blessing. Yeah. Uh, it was such a challenge. Not only did we grow our friendship, but I know that the content we shared with those young people was shaped through yes. us listening to one another, thinking about scripture together, um, exchanging emails, text messages, meeting together. Um, it was a huge blessing. So I think to simply say, hey, I am going to listen to, f for me as a man, I'm going to listen to women. I'm going to ask yeah. questions. I'm going to hear from their perspective. Is just going to enable me to have empathy, compassion, and grace as I engage and work with yeah, them. Yeah, I appreciate that because that means we don't have to adopt the broader culture of competitiveness or conflict that we really can see these as opportunities. I would just simply say that all of this discussion presupposes a shared ethic that comes from the Word of God. Somebody may be watching this that works in an environment where that's not the case, where there's not shared ethic. Any advice you would give to them, Reve, if they're working in um, a male-female uh, kind of environment or project, and it's with someone who doesn't share their values or a Christian worldview. Yeah, I think that answer can come in a lot of different ways. Um, but I, I just want to make sure that people understand never step away from your ethics or values yeah. to um, advance yourself in the workplace or to try to um, work with 
someone else. I, I think it's so important that when we hold um, the truths of God's word in our heart and what God calls us to, that we need to live that out. And sometimes that means, yeah, maybe we're not going to get that promotion or maybe yeah. we're going to have to take a step back. You know, um, I think of my dad so much in this example. Um, he, he runs his own company in the hotel um, industry, and he has chosen that every hotel that he manages will not have pornography shown in their hotel. Yeah. And he's lost business because of it. Yes. But he's never compromised his That's standards good. or integrity to um, further a business deal. Yeah. And I think that's something that we can take in, into consideration too with men and women is working together is don't compromise your values and integrity. If a situation makes you feel uncomfortable, don't don't step into it. Yeah. Um, and you know, I always encourage people, I know not everybody has the best bosses in the world, but always have open communication with your bosses, with HR, with a trusted person that you work with, that you can talk about these things with and, and process through um, yes. through them. And a lot of the move in HR, which I'm really excited about, and we've tried to adopt even here at Woodside, is creating a safe place. Mm -hmm. A safe place for people to not only feel valued within their work, but if they are violated, that they can have voice in sharing uh, those stories. And what I hear you saying too is, hey, let's reject this phenomenon of uh, situational ethics, that somehow our ethics move based off of the situation we're in. Be you, uh, wonderfully, fearfully you. And, uh, and as you stand before God, you could do it with a clear conscience and knowing that he is pleased. Hey, you guys have been a huge blessing. As we've said, this is a part of an ongoing conversation. So expect future episodes on this, as well as look at the previous conversations that we've had. Before we close out, Pastor CT, can you pray for us? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. <clears throat> Father in heaven, we thank you for the way you have made us beautifully and wonderfully, and you've made us male and female. Uh, Father, I pray that you would help us to embrace who we are uh, and to live out faithfully who we are under Christ. God, I pray for our church. I pray for all churches to um, be a light in this way, uh, that there would be unity and partnership and shared service, uh, men and women, for the sake of the gospel and for your glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, C.T. Reve, thank you for joining me. Folks, we get a chance to not only be consumers of culture, but creators of culture. So I hope that this episode and the resources serve you well. One of the ways that you can help us is leave your comments, uh, maybe even your questions, because it helps us to shape content for future episodes as well. And until we're together again the next time, know that we love you, we appreciate you, have a great day. We can't wait to see you on the next episode of The Link.